Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. In this episode, we look back at the first round of the CFL playoffs, and then we talk to Marissa Naylor, world bowling bronze medalist. That's all coming up on the podcast. Let's talk about the CFL, because at last we had football games that mattered. We had ourselves the exact same six teams as we had last year in the playoffs. Same seedings, too. So would we get the same results as last year? Montreal in 2022 beat Hamilton by 11 at home. The Lions down the stamps by 14. So with that in mind, we waste no more time in looking back at the first round of the playoffs in this year's CFL recap. A trip to Toronto is on the line in the East semifinal. And the question early on is this. Do the teams know that normally you need to score touchdowns to win football games? Hamilton starting journeyman Matthew Schultz, at quarterback in their opening drive, ends with a fumble. Nice, but Montreal does nothing with it and punts. But hey, they get a punt single out of it. Hamilton responds with a Mark Leggio field goal to take the lead. Then Montreal gets a field goal early in the second. And then they get another field goal. And then Hamilton gets a field goal. It's 7-6. Oh my God, this is amazing. And Schiltz is picked. And next play, Cody Fajardo to Austin Mack for a 30-yard score. All right, here we go. 14-6 Owls at the half. Schiltz has not been great in this game. But they're sticking with him, even though they said both quarterbacks would play. How unwell and ungood is Bo Levi Mitchell at this point? Can't be much worse than this. Al start the third with a field goal to make it 17-6. Hamilton gets their own to cut the lead to eight. And then another field goal. Okay, 17-12 with 11 minutes to go in the fourth. But... Montreal puts the hammer in the Ticats' coffin. Fajardo hits Jake Hardy for a 14-yard score, caps off a 7-play, 70-yard drive, and puts the game out of reach with 6.36 to go. So, of course, now they put in Bo Levi Mitchell. What's the point in that? One first down and a punt, another rouse field goal, Mitchell then picked, and that is it. Except Chris Edwards, the Hamilton DB, who's been fined for punching Mack earlier in the year and who a couple years ago fought Ticats fans after the East Final when he was with Toronto, grabs Hardy's face mask, rips him to the ground, a tremendously dirty play that sparks a skirmish and there are ejections, and he should never play another down of football in the CFL again. Get him out of here! But more importantly, the Alouettes are off to Toronto, and Jagarrett Davis, for the first time ever, won't play in a Grey Cup game. Now, there's a big difference between this year's West semifinal and last year's. 2022, the Lions and Stamps were both 12-6. and six. The Lions held up their end of the bargain this year, going 12-6 and six again, but the Stamps must have stepped on a mirror or something because they went 6-12. and 12. But that's somehow good enough to get them exactly the same thing they got with 12 wins last year. Go figure. I guess that means the Lions are going to romp in. Yet, here's Calgary with a three-play touchdown drive to open things at BC Place. Jake Mayer to Mark and Michelle for a 32-yard strike. In less than two minutes, the Stamps have the lead. Then the Lions go two and out, and the punt isn't very good. And the Stamps have the ball in BC territory. Holy smokes, what's going on here? Now, Mayer threw it right to Gary Peters, of course. BC wakes up on offense. Vernon Adams completes six passes on a nine-play drive. It includes an eight-yard strike to Javon Gatoy to tie the game. Stamps go two and out. Adams with a couple big completions before a six-yard touchdown run, 14-7, and the Lions are off and running. Calgary settles for a field goal to start the second before another BC touchdown drive. Adams with a four-yard run, and this is the Stamps team we know and love, settling for field goals while the opponent pours in touchdowns. Rene Paredes good from 34 to make it 21-13, and then Adams again marches them right down the field, capped off by a five-yard Keon Hatcher touchdown catch. Four straight TD drives after the opening three and out for the Leos. It's 28-13 at the break. 
BC slows down a bit in the third. There's a fumble and a punt, and Calgary turns those into two more field goals. Great! BC gets one of their own before early in the fourth. Adams rushes for his third touchdown of the game, while one-yard plunge normally reserved for backups, but Adams does it himself for the hat trick. Make it 38-19, then 41-19, and then Calgary scores a field goal on a touchdown, whatever. BC recovers an onside kick. 41-30 is the final. BC is coming back to Winnipeg. We're down to four teams in the CFL playoffs. I didn't think the games were that good. There was promise of a good game between Calgary and BC that quickly went away. I guess the first one was close, but it was gross. A lot of field goals. Both kickers were four for four on field goals in that game. But Matthew Schultz, 13 of 23 for 144 and a pick. Mitchell comes in, goes one of four for six yards and a pick. He says after the game, he doesn't see himself back there. Don't blame him. That's just weird. I don't understand what they're doing at the quarterback position. And Tim White led the league in reception or in receiving yards this year. He did not have a catch on three targets. That's not ideal for Hamilton. Cody Fajardo did his thing of being fine. 15 of 23, 212, two touchdowns and a pick. He also had four carries for 62 yards. And that was actually very important. And William Stanback almost rushed for 100 yards. West semifinal, Jake Mayer threw for over 300 yards, two touchdowns and two picks. But the big, the numbers from BC. Vernon Adams throwing for 413 yards. Keon Hatcher receiving 195 yards. Touchdown nine catches. That's the team the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are going to have to slow down. And we've seen them do it. We Their first meeting, no, they got crushed 30-6. to six, But the 50-14 to 14 win in August and then that crazy 34-26 win a month ago today that had... A lot of us thinking they were going to lose for a lot of that game. Zach Kolaris with a couple fumbles and bad spots. They got it done. They get the overtime win. It was a wild game. But back here in Winnipeg, I like Winnipeg's chances, but they cannot turn the ball over like they did in that BC game on October 6th and expect to win. Or like they did in the West Final in 2021 against the Rough Riders where they gave the ball away a bunch. Last year, West Final 28-20 for Winnipeg against a Nathan Rourke who was not 100%. Over in the East, you've got a rematch as well of last year's East Final that Toronto won by 7, 34-27 in Toronto. They've played three times this year. Both games that were in Montreal were close, 35-27 and 23-20. Toronto winning both. But when they played in Toronto September 9th, it was 39-10 for the Argos. One would expect... A Grey Cup rematch. Since everything else has been the same so far this season, why don't we just get a Grey Cup rematch in Hamilton? We might. And in a week, we will know. All right, let us divert ourselves to the world of bowling. Where last month, the IBF World Championships were held in Kuwait. A lot of Canadian contingents there. And one of the people coming back with a medal is Marissa Naylor, who came back with a bronze medal, and she joins us. Now, Marissa, where is your medal right now? Uh, Right now it's in my house, but my fiancé will actually be framing it for me for a present later this year. So is this a, you did you tell your fiance to do this present for you? Was it offered to you because you uh, if it's a gift you already know about it. Yeah, no, it's uh it's something that we wanted to do when it all happened. I know a few other uh so Austin Ducharme and Mitch Pay who also meddled. Um Austin who we're all really close friends. We've grown up together and we all 
thought it was a really good idea to frame our medals and to obviously not do it together. But the idea kind of came in Kuwait. And when I came home, uh, my fiance, but also my whole family was like, we have to frame the medal with the jersey. So it's all putting into one frame, I think, for either my birthday or a Christmas present coming up, one or the other. So this accomplishment then of taking home a bronze medal, where does it stack up in your sporting achievements in your life? Yeah, so from the bowling side, it's definitely the biggest one uh, I have to date. I've never medaled on the international level, so this is the first time for me. But uh, in terms of my sporting career, I would say it's definitely up there with the uh, Golf Manitoba Amateur win that I had a few years ago. So uh, I think it definitely tops though, the charge for my sports career, again, for bowling. But it's definitely up there for overall, too. So you were on with us before you made the trip over to Kuwait. There's many different, there's singles, trios, doubles, team events uh, as part of this bowling championship. You got the bronze in trios. Tell us how that worked. Yeah, so uh, in all the events, it basically was a round one, which you had to uh, be the top two teams in your group out of round one to make round two, uh, which we did in trios. And then out of round two, they only take one team from each pool. Uh, And so, thankfully, we were that one team. We actually had to roll off for it because we were tied with another team, which was Singapore. Uh, And then from there, we won the roll-off. So we went to the semifinals, which is also the medal round. So at Worlds, as soon as you make the semifinals, you're guaranteed a medal. So at that point, uh, we were guaranteed bronze. Uh, Unfortunately, we lost our semifinal match. So that's how we got bronze. But our uh, fellow team, so the silver medalist from Canada, so that was Brittany uh, Jade as well as Corinne, they won their semifinals match and went on to the finals. Unfortunately, losing in the finals, but they had silver as well. What's a roll off? Sorry, I'm not uh, as initiated no, in bowling. Okay. No, it's all good. A roll off is basically a non intense frame, so the last two frames of a game, and the uh, person with the highest score in those two frames, total pinfall, uh, moves on. So that's high stakes. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, our anchor, Jennifer Pistana, who's actually from Ontario. Uh, so in that format, only one person could throw it. So our face was in her hands and she came through and got us to the medal round. And uh, here we are today. So. So that must be nerve wracking knowing, yes, if the, if we win this roll off, you get a medal. But at the same time, you're not the one doing it. So it's beyond your control. Yeah, it's never actually been a position that I've been in. Uh, So I've never bowled a format like that. It was actually a very interesting format, a lot of fun, but definitely interesting. Uh, And so having that out of your control, all you can do is support your teammate and just hope she throws the best shot she can. And that's what she did. So So in trios, then do you how does it work? Are you all playing a full game and just uh, combining your scores? Are you taking turns each frame? How does it work? Yeah, so it's a Baker format. So we're taking turns each uh, frame. So for myself, I had uh, the second frame, the fifth frame, and then so on and so forth moving through. Uh, So I was considered the middleman, and then Samantha Howe was our leadoff, and then Jennifer Pisana was our anchor. Uh, So we would just switch frames, and that was the format for the entire tournament, uh, no matter the event, minus singles, because obviously you're just bowling yourself. But for doubles, trios, and teams, it was all Baker. So we all had to switch frames, Uh, And it was, like I said, it was a very different format, but also really exciting for a team atmosphere too. Because I think most people picture bowling as a a one-on-one sport. And so when you have a situation like this, how much does that team aspect of it going back to your seat and then having people right there cheering you on, how does that change the dynamic and, and how you have fun playing it? Yeah. Um, I think team chemistry, especially in this tournament, considering the format was the biggest thing. And, 
Uh, I mean, coming home with a gold medal from the men and a silver and a bronze for the ladies is, I think, just a testament to our team chemistry that we had out there. So, um, yeah, just supporting your teammates on and off the lanes and just knowing that they can throw the best shots they can and just seeing them do that. And that's really all it is. Um, You could just cheer from the sidelines and then with your time to throw, just making the best shot you can. And so when you get the bronze medal, what does that feel like when it's put around your neck? Yeah. Um, I even just you saying that gives me goosebumps actually. Uh, it's, it's pretty surreal. Honestly, you never, uh, your dream is to hear your anthem at that stage of any sport. Uh, and so hearing the anthem, I mean, for, uh, for our boys when they won gold, but even just having the medal around my personal neck too, it was just a surreal moment that not only that I belong on that stage, but also that it's just a real uh, childhood dream really come to life. And so overall, you call it a successful trip? Very much so, yeah. We uh, we broke a lot of records. Uh, we came back. It was the first time uh, Canada came back with a medal from both the women's and the men's side. So very successful trip for sure. And then Mitch went on to win silver medals at the recently concluded Pan American Games too, didn't he? Yes, he actually, I think he's on his way home tonight, if not tomorrow. Uh, and so, yeah, he plays silver, uh, losing the final match, but he bowled his heart out and we're all really proud of him back home here. So, Yeah, silver in, in singles and in doubles. So that's awesome to see. So now that uh, this is done, what is, what's the off season like for a person who bowls? Do you just keep bowling? And I guess it's not weather dependent. Yeah. Yeah. So bowling is actually just getting started. So bowling, especially in, uh, in Manitoba here is very much a winter sport. And because we do it inside most of the time, obviously there's no bowling outside. So um, it's really from September until May. And so for me, the next big thing is Canadian team trials in January in uh, Burlington, which is just outside Toronto. So uh, that's the next thing on the calendar, and then obviously some local tournaments in between there. But bowling season just getting started for us, and this is just the start of what's to come this year. So, so how often in a week would you bowl then? Um, typically, my schedule obviously depends around the tournament. But uh, for Kuwait, I was bowling four to five times a week, uh, not including off uh, off lane training. Uh, and so, yeah, that was four to five times a week. That's typically normal leading up to a tournament, and then. Right now, it's about three to four, give or take, um, what the training is, but also what I'm preparing for. But typically, four to five is the ideal. So what kind of drills do you do to to work on your craft? Because obviously, you're going to practice bowling by bowling, but what other things can you do to get better? Yeah, so a lot of the things, um, I mean, it's different from person to person, but uh, I know for me, it's actually just repetition. So bowling... Uh, as many times as I can in a week, like I said, four to five times a week, because for me, I'm, I'm a feel bowler. So if it feels right, I could just have to keep that feel going. Uh, and so foul line drills for me. So for any non-bowlers out there, it's basically you're standing at the foul line and you're swinging the ball three times and letting it go to work on your release. Um, there's three step drills to work on your timing. Uh, and there's a plethora of other drills to do, but those are just a few to name. And a lot of off um, off lane training consists of like visualization, breathing, uh, and then reading a lot of psychology books and that because bowling actually is more of a mental sport than it is a physical sport. So, and in terms of your trip to Kuwait, were you able to do any tourism stuff while you're over there? Yeah, so we went to go see the Kuwait towers, which was really cool. Uh, we went to the aquarium and then walked around the area. Thankfully, our hotel was in a, in a really nice spot. So we were kind of walking distance from a lot of different things. And we actually saw a mall that was 
I want to say close to like five times the size of Polo Park. So wow. it was it was pretty cool to see. Yeah, but very neat place and uh, grateful for the experience for sure. Well, Marissa, congrats again on, on winning the bronze medal. Big accomplishment. Congrats on that. And uh, best of luck as you, you uh, attempt your future pursuits in, in golf, bowling, and whatever comes your way. Perfect. Thank you so much, Christian. That is Marissa Naylor, bronze medalist internationally in the sport of bowling. And I'm reminded that I have not bowled in years. And I was never good. But it's just it's something that's fun. Maybe I'll go home and ask my girlfriend if she wants to go bowling. We'll see how that conversation goes. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all.